Thank you. It's only been about 50 years. <laughs> now, this, as you've heard from Ben, that is maybe the third week now that we've been talking about community. I thoroughly enjoyed Jed's word two weeks ago. He talked about all the value, the purpose. Last week, I was thoroughly inspired and quickened by Ben's word about community. And I so enjoyed the fact that after the meeting, there was this incredible buzz and awareness of each other. And I went out into the coffee shop and I saw people sharing with people I don't normally. So I thought, yeah, God, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring on community to break through wherever we've been before. Now, I, it was funny because two weeks we had community and then I knew it was my turn this week and everywhere I went, I found uh, evidences of the power of community. It was like God was showing me things everywhere through the week. And one of the fun things that happened to me was last Sunday night. I went to a city church with two people from our church here. And it was a very large church and there was a lot of life and buzz. It was exciting. And the preacher stood up to preach. He was a visitor to the church and he said, tonight I want to talk to you about community. <laughs> I thought, Yep, I think this is the right one. Yes, I think this is the right one. But then what was so exciting was it was three of us that started out on the journey that night. But after the meeting, people got chatting and there ended up to be eight of us who went off to a restaurant to eat. And there were three Filipino young men and an Australian lass and uh, another girl had joined us as well. And we were all sitting around very relaxedly, chatting away. But what was so good, there was fire in the air because there were, this young girl had been responsible for one of the Filipino boys coming to the Lord two years before. And he had brought two Filipino boys with him this Sunday night. And there was an altar call and one of the Filipino boys had put his hand up. And so I was sitting next to him and... Um, Different people shared their testimonies like you felt there was fire in the air. This boy at one stage looked at me and he said, where do you go to church? And I said, look, I go to a small country church that's on the edge of Kabulcha. And he said to me, and suddenly I saw longing come over his eyes. He said, that's what I was used to in the Philippines. And he said, I was known and it sounded like he felt he was looked after. But what had happened was he'd come out and joined a very large church, not the one that we were visiting on Sunday night, and he was valued because he was very good musically. He got into the music team, he became the leader of it, and he, he realised that he was valued just for that. And the feeling of having people care for his soul, give him some words of wisdom, warn him in the way, was not there. So gradually he pulled away and he pulled away and he pulled away. But this uh, other Filipino boy who was saved two years ago who had absolutely God's heart and fire in him sitting opposite me, I could see that he was going to make sure that this boy got the right environment from now on. It was so exciting. You don't realise how community helps a pe a people from wandering away. 
and wandering off, particularly when they're young. Incidents happen and, and then they pull back. But how important it is to be surrounded by people you trust and love and respect. Now, the second thing that happened to me, I was in the chaplain's office and I heard a woman really crying and distressed in the chapel. So I thought I'd better go out and do my chaplaining duty and went out and said, oh, hello, how, what's happening? Can I help? And her boyfriend was with her and he thought, I'll leave these two girls to sort it out. So he went off for a walk and this lady poured out a heart and she cried and she wept and she had issues and she was in great distress. And then along the way, I pick up that she's known the Lord for years and I pick up that she was very likely spirit-filled. And what's more, she used to go to a church with some people I know in Redcliffe. But what I said to her, I said, you need people around you to help pray you through this situation. She said, yeah, she said, I did go to church and it was great. She said, but I moved to uh, Deception Bay and I just didn't go to church anymore. And all of a sudden she started to cry out, I need him, I so need him, I so need the Lord. And the tears are rolling down her face. And I thought, this is a way to find out you need community. So what was fun was she gave me her phone number and she wanted me to ring her the next day but she must have mixed up the numbers because I couldn't get through. But I rang the people she knew because I knew them and if you've ever stood beside or listened to somebody speak or heard someone on the phone who is very prayed up, you become very aware of it. And I rung this couple and the pastor answered um, and I said, look, there's this lady and out of his, I heard come out of his heart absolute loving pastoral care. And I, I realised he was a very prayed up man. I thought, this guy's been in the closet for days or something. Because I could feel this sense of the flow of God. And he said to me, this woman, we, we know her, we love her. We need to get around her and pray her through. And so they were going to ring her the next day. So that was my second illustration of how we so need each other. My third illustration, before we go anywhere, was I was at in doing chaplaincy again. I was in the local hospital and I went into a room. It was probably one of the last places I was going into for the day. And there was an elderly man there in his late 70s, I would have thought, and I'm chatting away. And I said to him, is there family coming? He said, oh, no, he said... I'm one of the Christian brothers, which those of us who are Catholics, we know what that means. It's not the brother in our sense. It's a bunch of men who are celibate who teach in Catholic schools. And uh, I said, oh, okay, and I'm having to climb over my wall of um, religious separatism. And, um, and so then he starts to talk to me uh, about his life. And as he begins to, begins to talk, he starts to cry. And he's crying and he said to me, a bunch of us brothers went to New Guinea and we spent 50 years there serving the Lord. And he said, we taught in the schools. And then he began to sob and he said it was the most wonderful, fulfilling, beautiful time. And he said the community was fantastic. Well, you can imagine my little ears went, community? community okay and I said so what was so good about community well he began to tell me it was the companionship the camaraderie 
the caring for one another, the back being, having each other's backs. He said, yeah, there were some funny brothers up there. He said, but in actual fact, all of us did a great work. And I could see him sitting back with a great fulfilledness that there was a team of them who'd gone out to do something for God together and there was a feeling of achievement and fulfilledness. fulfilledness. So I'm still thinking to myself, does this guy know the Lord? My little Pentecostal. Um, Anyway, then out of the blue he says, you know, he said, we've really got to walk in the presence of the Lord, haven't we? (laughs) I thought, yep, tick. And then... Then um, I said to him, look, would you like to pray? Because I had to get going. And he said, sure. And of course, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I joined in with him. But my ear could hear an intense love for the Father. It wasn't ritual. And so I prayed along with him. I could hear our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And I realised that because of his personal experience, this episode in um, uh, up north, uh, New Guinea, I nearly forgot then, New Guinea was facilitated by by the Spirit of God. And they had achieved a massive thing together in his eyes. So I thought that was gorgeous. Now... I'm just wanting to, us to have a look at Acts 2.42. I've, I'm going to read it in a modern version. So you can read along in your version if you want. But it says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers were in fellowship as one body. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts. So let's just have a look at some of those phrases. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Just imagine 3,000 people touched by God, hungry, starving hungry to hear the truth about Jesus Christ and how to live and about his directions to go out and make disciples. And here they all were. Now, the word devoted means to focus on and contribute time and energy to something that's deeply important to you, something you really value. So devotion, I love that word devotion. They were faithfully devoted. Really, it was probably all that was on their minds. The second thing is their hearts were mutually linked to one another. So this meant people from different walks of life, different financial status, different cultures, different age groups, they were mutually linked How was that? They were mutually linked by somebody they couldn't see. Um, Yet they knew him. Are we linked? Did we come here today because we've got similar interests or just family ties? Not in a million years. 
Now, we've all experienced the call of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are now living to follow him. We all drink from the same well, the same Father. Then it says, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. Communion would have meant public remembrance of Christ's sacrifice. Now, some of those 3,000 and eventually 5,000 would have probably, may some of them have been at the crucifixion. Some of them would have heard detailed uh, stories of the crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension. They would have heard vivid descriptions from the apostles. But there was dependence on prayer together. This is what this unity, part of the unity, was praying together. I went to a prayer conference recently and I came away with a fresh realisation that when the body of Christ get together in intercession and prayer, stuff happens. And they gave an incredible lot of testimonies. Some of you have heard them, we've shared them, but there was a beauty about a woman in Catherine. This is Australia. Stuff's been happening in Australia because there have been some united church people gathering together, crying out for their town, for their city. And this woman was hoping to get a prayer meeting going in Catherine because there wasn't any really. And so she went to the first church and they weren't interested in gathering with the others. No, no not them. So she went to the next church and they said, no, well, we, we wouldn't participate in that if these people are going to be there. So she contacted the International Prayer Network and they gave her a strategy. So she went to the first one and she said, now, what would be the, the least thing that would have to be right for you to all get together? And they said, well, all the prayers would have to be out of the Bible and the songs would have to be scripture. And so she said, okay. So she went to the next church and she said, um, uh, what if everything that we pray comes out of the Bible? And Well, see, nobody can complain against that, no matter what denomination you were. This was a common denominator. So guess what? They all came. And guess what? They had a mini revival in Catherine. And what else was interesting, a couple of years back, in their assessment of financial growth and development in the Northern Territory, the Northern Territory's uh, financial status had deteriorated except for one town, Catherine. It was thriving and was experiencing an uphill trend in finances. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> the next one was a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I'm with Ben. I still think God's doing them. I don't read that and think, hey, wish it happened today. I haven't given up. I haven't given up. I have actually personally seen genuine healings and miracles. I have seen legs, a lady with a five-inch shorter leg grow to be level with her other leg. I have seen arms grow level with each other. I've seen cross eyes straighten. I've seen people in wheelchairs who couldn't walk stand up and walk across the stage. So I know they happen, and I'm still believing and determined to see miracle signs and wonders in this church and in the locality. Let Caboolture be known for signs and wonders instead of joblessness. Signs and wonders. 
So maybe unity in prayer among God's people will bring us closer to that happening. All the believers were in fellowship as one body. Fellowship here is common union. A unit, this was a, a unity that was happening that was hard to be explained. The term, of course, we all know is koinonia, which means communion, joint participation. Community is a common unity. It is living a shared life. Then it goes on, and they shared with one another whatever they had. So out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute to the proceeds the, the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Man, that's evidence there's a move of the spirit for people to sell. Just imagine someone here selling their property to meet somebody's financial need. Might I tell you this church has already done that. We sold a property to build a Bible school in Mizoram. So we're getting there. When I hear that somebody sold a property to give to someone, I'll be really thrilled. But it takes the spirit to move us on those things. Um, Then it says they broke bread and ate together. Gathering around food is a very helpful place to build trust and confidence in relationships. It's a place of safety where people can be a little more open about what's in their heart. The bond becomes deeper. And that's what happened with that Filipino boy. If we hadn't been all sitting and chatting around and sharing notes, he he wouldn't have felt the, the freedom to open his heart. Hospitality is powerful. Can I challenge you this morning? The word hospitality means welcoming other people into your home or other places where you spend your time with them. In Middle Eastern culture, hospitality was, I don't know, about the second commandment. Because if you were out in the deserts, there was an obligation for anybody who was wandering through, who was a stranger, to welcome them in, give them a bed for the night, feed them, and give them clothing if they needed it. So, hospitality, I... I... Sometimes, like in Hebrews 13, it says, don't forget. So it must be forgettable. Paul said, don't forget to show hospitality to one another. In 1 Peter 4.9, it says, offer hospitality to one another without complaint. Don't whinge. 3 John 8, look, these are only some. There's a whole list. We therefore should offer hospitality to one another because we're on the same team. Many of Jesus' teachings and lessons were all built, given out around food. Remember the apostles took off when they were upset because Jesus was no longer with them. They took off out in the boat and they looked onto the shore and Jesus was cooking bracky, fish. Remember what did he do the night before he died? He had last supper. When we die and all go to heaven, we're going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb. The first miracle Jesus ever did was at a wedding feast. So I know God said they shall fast in those days, but I think he said they can eat too. And what's more, eating together is fun. Um, I so enjoyed my meal in the city. I can't tell you the joy and the delight of that. Talking about God with hungry believers always stirs me. And then at the end of that, it's of saying we should offer hospitality to one another, is there's a, the word one another. If you go to Google 
and put in there, tell me where all the one and others are in the Bible, you'll get 59. There's 59 one and others. Ben talked about some great one and others last week, accepting one another, counting each other as valuable. Don't look at them through carnal eyes and see what they haven't got or what they have got. See them as Jesus sees them. I have felt so exercised in recent years about the scripture about the least of these, the invisible, the less trendy. Remember, Jesus said, don't invite all the the trendies, don't invite the wealthies, invite those that can't pay you back, not just your buddies, but have some creativity, have some creativity, invite some homeless guy to tea. I haven't done that myself, so I really can't tell you to do that. (laughs) Um, There's many other one another's. Love one another, be devoted to one another. I didn't write them all down. Honour one another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, be at peace with one another, be of the same mind, confess your sins to one another. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Is that biblical? Forgive one another admonish and encourage one another. There's many, many more. I do remember a while back I had had a bit of a health issue that was overwhelming me at the time. This is a couple of years ago. And I found that all I was thinking about was this illness every day and I felt like an oppression had come and I was... You you get obsessional with these... They fill up all your mind, all your thinking and you look at life through the grid of this negative experience. And I remember going over to Patty's one night. I said, Patty, in the kitchen, I said, Patty, I want you to pray for me. I feel like I have let this thing overwhelm me. And she prayed for me. The yoke was broken and I never felt it again. So that's how good getting together is and being honest about your state, like coming forward this morning, sharing your need. Look, Give up that need to be strong and getting there all the time. Nobody is like that. Nobody. So I loved seeing that this morning. Now, let me tell you, all this one another in this community is not possible for mere humans. I'm talking about the impossible this morning. You, humanly speaking, can't do all this. We've been asked to do the impossible. Now, for us to be in unity, we actually need, as Ben again was talking, he was so in the Holy Spirit this morning, talking about the unity with the Father. Remember, Jesus said, I want them to be in unity, Father, as you and I are in unity. And is there any greater unity? That's a big ask. Jesus didn't say anything unless the Father prompted him. He didn't go anywhere. He lived in very close connection to the Father. So that beautiful unity between the Father and the Son. Those times when the Father got so full of love for his Son that he opened the skies and said, oh, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It was a great relationship. Jesus couldn't have faced faced death at at Calvary without he had this incredible connection with the Father. Now, there's somebody else we have to mention Because even having unity with the Father and having unity with each other 
we need the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Then they did all this incredible community. Then they saw all these miracles. Then they saw all this desiring to be together. The bottom line was the Holy Spirit. You know, the apostles weren't that good at it before he came. So, he sent the Holy Spirit so evidently in Acts 2 to enable this new way of living. So if we took the Holy Spirit this morning out of this building, like he just disappeared, we'd all start to sit here and look at one another and think, what am I doing here with this mob? What am I doing here? They don't like what I like. They're not the people. They'd be like Ben's son who said when he was testifying last week, these aren't my people. These aren't my people. What am I doing here? I'm going to get out of here. You know, it's a work of God that you're here. It's, it's because of the Holy Spirit. You thought you, were, you decided to go to church, but you only came to church because the Spirit of God put that desire and impulse in your heart. You cooperated with him. So we, know, we so need the Holy Spirit for everything. Religion didn't bring us together. If there's anybody here who thinks coming here today was going to keep get them to heaven, well, I, I think somebody needs to talk to you later. Okay, so here's our energizer and motivator for community. In our individualistic culture, and let's face it, it's rabid. If you go to other countries with different cultures, you will realise how far behind we are in the hospitality department. Our culture is, it's all about us for and no more. Uh, individualism. But the Bible says we've all been made to drink into one spirit. We're all drinking and we've all got the same father. And we're all motivated by the same spirit. Just imagine the incredible unity that came with those people when the spirit was poured out. Suddenly, all they could talk about was the Lord and what he was doing. They were, this common unity was so passionate. Now, it's the Holy Spirit who takes you from observer to participator. He energises you for contribution. And he's the one who helps you to have that unity with the Father. And, oh, can I remind us to keep nurturing that unity with the Father. You know, our unity with each other is poor when our relationship with the Father is poor. Okay, here today where there's a lovely presence of the Lord, that's beautiful and I love it. But we need to walk in that unity with the Father every single day. We need to walk in that intimacy. That will help our community like nothing else. You'll actually be filled up with his love, his comfort and his grace. And suddenly when you look to people, you will want to give them comfort and grace and the love of God. You know, if we dry out, community dries up. If we, our water levels are down here, community dries up. It's hard work. So it's important that we live our days filled with the Spirit of God. They couldn't do that unity without he'd been poured out so beautifully. 
We can't do the unity without we drink and drink and drink deeply and draw from the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, in our young days, in our discipleship days, in the early times, we were trained that if you went to work, you had to be filled with the Spirit. You didn't just go to work. You had to go filled so that you could bring the life of Christ to those at work. If you went to uni, you had to get filled with the Spirit and pray in tongues and stir up the gift and connect with God afresh and get his help for you to go to uni. We, if we went to prayer meetings, we had to be praying in tongues on the way into the prayer meeting lest we be backslidden. So there was always this awareness we needed the Spirit for this thing to go on, for this thing to come to pass. We needed each individual in this church needs to drink like you've never drunk before of living water. Uh, look, some of us even went on holidays filled with the Spirit. In 1980, I got invited to Korea and Japan. Here was I knowing you get filled with the Spirit for everything, but now I was walking out on the water. I'd never met these people. I'd never been in other cultures like this before. So I was a bit terrified. All the way over in the plane, I'm praying in tongues, calling on God, help me to wash their feet, Lord. Help me to bless them. Help me to know what to do. Help me to know what to do, Lord. I don't know what to do. I wasn't somebody who was going over there to preach or to do anything specific. So here I was. I got to Hong Kong for two days, prayed nonstop. And then I got to the, the community. Well, I had the most fantastic. It was a lovely community an American man was running. He was a charismatic Anglican and it was connected to world outreach. And I had the best time. Opportunities opened up for me everywhere. They asked me to speak to the whole community. I'd never done such a thing. So here I was and I sensed like everything was working and flowing. I made relationships and was able to encourage some very uh, under-the-weather missionaries that were there. The second day before I left, the boss man came up to me and said, Gwen, or sister, he called me sister. He said, I've watched you, he said. And he said, I feel the spirit of God is very much on your life. And I thought, that wasn't a brag point for me. That was, yes, this is how God works. If we fill up for his purposes, his purposes come to pass. Now... We wanted to be edified in those days, so built up. Did you know you have a responsibility to build yourself up in your most holy faith, to be edified, to be somebody worth having for tea? If you're going to invite people for tea, be edified for it. If you're going to be invited and go to someone, be edified. Pray in tongues all the way in the car. Get some life. We want Christ is our common denominator. He's our connection point. And sure, there's times when we're a bit broken. Life has dealt us over a beauty and we just feel... And we need to go to be with people who've got the life and they can encourage us and minister to us and wash our feet. But the rest of the time, let's go armed to bless, armed to have that com common unity with all those around us. Last Wednesday night, the group of 11 that gathered... Touched heaven as we sang in the spirit. Honestly, it was an incredible, incredible prayer meeting night. I 
like there was a common river that poured out of all of us. We all lost the awareness of where we were. We were in another place worshipping. There was 11 people and I tell you it was spectacular in my book. I'm sure I could hear angelic hosts supporting us because most of us sing like frogs. <laughs> Speak for yourself, they say. But, and, but it got past our singing voices. It got past this something that was crying out and was worshipping and couldn't stop. And it was excellent. So a lot of prayer, prayer went on in that meeting and a lot of caring went on in that meeting. When we allow ourselves to get dry, we see things differently. We lose passion for community and communion together. We go back into the natural. And the Bible says to not know one another after the flesh, but to know one another after the spirit. We are to constantly drink of that living water. This improves our relationships and sense of purpose when we get together. I want to challenge you all today. If I look, I've been dry lots of times, but when I honestly, because I'm desperate, if I'm dry, I usually get aside and say, Oh God, help me or I'll die. Help me, Lord, bring me again, bring me again. Holy Spirit, where are you? Help me and help stir me. And I pray in tongues, I start to tell the Father how lovely he is. I might feel as dry as a chip to start with, but I'd say, Lord, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I sense suddenly sometimes it's like a heavy leaning down by the Lord himself into where I am and into my space. And suddenly I'm drunk. Suddenly, I don't want to ever leave there. Suddenly, I think, God, you're going to have to help me to leave this place because I don't want to go anywhere but be with you. So the Lord wants to dose you. He wants to give you a fresh dose. But he does require you to say, God, I want more. And I love church. Okay, so church produces a beautiful anointing. But are you carriers of that same anointing into your workplace, into your community opportunities, the getting together to get to know one another, I challenge you today. Look, can we just bow our heads? Uh, one scripture I forgot to tell you, Ephesians 5.18, you'll know I've been talking about it. It says, be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, that being filled is be being filled with the Spirit of God. So we have a responsibility to keep ourselves filled with the Spirit of God. So, Lord, and I want you to pray in tongues, to say out loud or say in your head whatever you want to do, but just say, Lord, I want more, I want to drink more, I want to be an edified vessel, I want to be somebody who can help lift up others and wash people's feet and strengthen ties with the brethren and be fulfilled as a, a team of empowered people like that 3,000. There wasn't one of them that wasn't on fire and freshly touched. Lord, let it be that in this church not one of us is not on fire. And Lord, we just say to you today, without you we can do nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And we so need you, Holy Spirit. We so need you. We so need more. We so need you for the challenges of life. We so need you for our family pressures and, ch and difficulties. We so need you to actually be wanting to be part of a community. 
We need your motivation to get to prayer meetings where we can cry out to God together. We so need your motivation to be in a connect group and share our heart. And Lord, we want more. We're just thirsty, Lord. We are a thirsty people, but we do want to be filled with the Spirit of God to do what you've asked us to do. Amen.